Hi, I'm Joe. Well, I'm Mike. We host the Cinescape Magazine podcast and a couple of Average Joes. You can find us on SoundCloud and iTunes, wherever your favorite podcast app is. And make sure to tell your friends and family and search for Cinescape Magazine podcast. Thank you for listening. Yeah. Go. Welcome back, my friends, to the flicks of the week that never end. We're so glad you could attend. Come inside, come inside. It's another show. It's me. And it's you. Oh, my God! How are you doing? I'm good. All right. Um, what do you mean, how's I doing? We's, we's be doing the, you know. How dare you ask me that question? You always ask me that question what, every day. And the motherfucker this. Every and, time we um, do a fo, podcast, you're always that. asking me how I'm doing. Oh, You, you know how I'm doing. All right. Why don't you tell us? In my heart, my soul. <laughs> All right. Okay. So my flick of the week is going to be the Netflix original documentary called Voyeur. Okay. And? Oh, you oh, uh, creature from the Black Lagoon, the original. Yes, sir. Okay, that is out of fucking left field, man. With one of that, that was a you know. That's a, that's I'm a, a huge one. fan of all these old old shocker things, yeah. and what we got coming up, I can't wait for the new year. Do you actually. like? Do you I like the? Do you start. like the fuck this video of the creature from the Black yeah, Lagoon? Yeah, that one was really funny. Fuck, fuck this, this. Fuck that. <laughs> fuck you too. Yeah. <laughs> the throwing people overboard. Yeah. But um um. I'm a huge fan of the old, old, not just Universal, but the old, these old horror movies. Yeah. These old, they're kind of like serial movies too in the way that they start off and it's, you know, this, all this dramatic music. Yeah. It's really cool. It is. Anyways. So, um, all right, uh, let's get into it. I, um, sure. I was Netflix searching the other day and I was going to jump onto a few different shows and, you know, there's this new one called Godless that just came out. It's like a mini series. Um, and then there's, uh, I don't know, there's a couple other things I'm interested in. But I came across, uh, came across, came across, I came across, I'm talking like Shannon Sharp again, swollen tongue. Run down the hill with the ball. You know what I'm saying? Run down the hill with the ball. How um, dare you do that? How <laughs> dare you do a Shannon Sharp How do you say That man's a national treasure. I'm Hall of Fame. I got two Super Bowl rings. Yeah. So, <laughs> you got two Super Bowl rings that does nothing. He does nothing to you. Why do you have to talk to him like that? Like Why do you have to make fun of Shannon Sharp? Sound like that a bunch man, of bees attack my mouth. That man's done nothing but succeed and succeed and succeed. All you do is just make fun of the way he talks because he has an ex- overextended tongue. How yeah. dare you, sir? How <laughs> dare you? Anyways. I, I, I just <laughs> apologize so strongly. You should. All right. So anyway, um, I came across this movie called Voyeur, and it was like the day it came out on Netflix. And I I instantly was, I wanted to see what it was about. It was like, okay, if you have it on whatever it is that's on Netflix, it'll do like a mini trailer for it. And so the trailer came on, and it started talking, you know, describing the movie. And I was like, you know what? Fuck it. It's an hour and a half. Fuck it. I'm going to watch it. So this is it. This is the gist of it. Voyeur is about is uh, Gerald Foos. Yes, it's about a man named Gerald Foos. Gerald Foos owned a hotel. Yeah, Gerald Foos, Foos owned a hotel in uh, Aurora, Colorado. Manor and House. He owned it. Yeah, and it was. It looked very in certain ways. It looked kind of similar to like the the Bates Motel in a way, but not with the house way up on the hill, but the the hotel itself. Anyway. Uh, Gerald Foos, um, back in the 80s, got into contact with a journalist from the New Yorker um, named named Gay Talisi, who's a very um, popular journalist. and um, Very outspoken. Yes, very outspoken. And um, he started telling him about when he what he did when he owned the hotel, which is this. He created 
a catwalk above the rooms of his hotel so that he could watch and document and masturbate to all of the different um, sexual acts that were going on in the hotel from for a span of about uh, 15 years or so, uh, from like 1966 to the early 80s. And uh, and he just I, the, the, he felt like he had to get it off his chest, I guess. And so um, Gay Talisi, who they do a little bit of a mini documentary on him in the movie as well, where they show some of the things that he did in the past, where um, he's one of those journalists that delves right into what he's doing. Like he's he's pretty much one of those guys that um, when in Greece or when in when in Rome, right? Like when he's there, he does what they're doing. So for example, back in like the '60s or '70s, he went to a nudist colony and he did every fucking thing that they did there even though he was married he started being a nudist with them he slept around like everyone else did you know free sexual society and and you know he got a lot of shit for it because at the time it was extremely way more taboo than it is now right and he defended himself on talk shows and everything even his wife defended him you know she wasn't a big fan of what he did but she understood what he was doing and the fucking weirdo i know so but anyway he um and he pretty much said look i can't i can't study these people and not be willing to do the things that they're doing so that's kind of weird because i mean what if someone was doing something more extreme like you know uh, you know i don't want to get into the details but you know what i mean worse things inappropriate stuff yeah so why i mean where do you draw the line right (coughs) animals yeah but anyway so gay talisi over the span of um from 2016 to the release of this book that he wrote that's called the voyeur's uh, motel um so from the early 80s to then, this is all about those times where he um, interacted with Gerald Foos. Um, and the first half of this documentary, which is about an hour and a half long, is fucking fascinating because the first half deals with all the storytelling. And um, it deals with first you getting up to date about Gerald, or I'm sorry, about Gates and um, and what kind of a journalist he is and how much integrity he has and all that stuff like that. And then it deals with um, him talking to Gerald Foos and Foos telling him the stories. So you're hearing some of the stories that happened in this hotel from Foos and you're hearing some of them from um, Talisi um, uh, after being told by Foos. And he actually went there. Talisi actually went to the hotel and he actually did some of this voyeurism with him just to make sure it was pr- it was true, right? And he saw it. And there's, there's this one fucking scene that is fucking hilarious. It's so goddamn funny where... Um, he um Talese, okay Foos takes him up into this catwalk above all the rooms and they they have these um special made air vents that are made just so you can see through them but you can't see up into them and so they they they're walking across this catwalk they're, they're crawling across this catwalk and all of a sudden Foos sees a couple of them having sex so he points down there and Talisi leans down and he starts watching it and all of a sudden he says he feels Foos's hand on his back and fucking yanks him back really quick and he at first he's like what the fuck you know thinking something weird's about to happen right all of a sudden to um Foos shows him that his fucking tie his red tie that he was wearing was sticking out of the vent and it was dangling right above these people having sex <laughs> and it's so fucking hilarious because that made me snort <laughs> it, was, it was it was fucking hilarious because also while they're telling these stories every once in a while the the the, the film will cut to these miniatures of the hotel uh-huh. and it'll have a, um, a reenactor of Foos's character Re- reenactment a reenactment pretty much of him as like a, like as of, of a, as a god figure uh-huh. above these miniatures and he's like lifting the roof over while he's watching these people have sex and stuff like that uh-huh. and it's just really cool how they do it it's cool style it, it pulls you into the storytelling and there's other stories that you end up telling that he ends up telling like one about a murder that happened in the hotel and and stuff like that but then this is where things get confusing and interesting at the same time 
is then you deal with his confession. And when it gets out into the public and they talk about it in the news and there's fact checkers who start breaking stuff down, like like events, like when this happened, when that happened, because um, Foos had, an, uh, had a detailed record of every night for like the span of like 15, 16 years. Right. And he every night he wrote down every room, he wrote down every person who was in them and what they did sexually every single time. Every detail, every fucking position, every like, did they have oral sex? Did they have missionary? Did they have just intricate fucking detail? And he even admitted to masturbating about it, which they didn't delve much into. They just only mentioned like once that he masturbated while watching some of this. Right. But he said most of the time, because he tried to, you know, he tried to defend himself by saying that, you know, he did this mostly. Uh, he was always fascinated with sex from a young age, and because his parents were very um, standoffish about it, they wouldn't tell him shit. So he had to find out on his own, pretty much. And um, so he 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 doesn't think of himself as a pervert. He thinks of himself as a as just a, an observer. Right, and he has all these reasonings for himself, and then Talise is just—he's not trying to judge the guy; he's just trying to do everything from a journalist standpoint. Right, he's just reporting on this shit. Objective. Yeah, and so, but it gets into this point where people start to do fact checking, and there's inconsistencies in some of the storytelling and and events about like when he owned the hotel and and when this event happened and when this happened, and then because it, it goes into the home. Uh, the current home of uh, of Foos and his wife, who's been with him like the whole time when he was running the hotel and everything, and she was a witness to all of it. And 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 Talisi, Talisi was a witness to it too. He says, "Look, even though some of these things might not be true or they're inconsistent, I was there. I fucking saw it. So there's some of this stuff is definitely true because I was there." He goes, "But there's other things that just don't make sense, you know." So he didn't. It, it gets to a point where you don't know what, how many of these stories are true or not, and. And also, it, it never paints the picture of what Foos might, I mean, pretty much what he is. He's a fucking pervert. But they kind of make it in a way that he's like, a, they try to make you understand him for to a point. And, mm-hmm. you know, and so, you, I mean, you leave it up to yourself by the end of this documentary. It, it's it's good. It's, like I said, the first half is fascinating because when you're dealing with all the storytelling, you know, it's like, dude, you could just sit here and listen to the storytelling all, all day. All day. Um, but then when you deal, deal with all the legal ramifications and stuff like that in the second half, that, I mean, it's still, it's still interesting enough to watch, but it just doesn't have the impact as the first half has. Because when you're in the fantasy of it, that's way more interesting than the actual, like, repercussions kind of thing. Yeah, and there's also a book called The Voyeur's Motel that came out in July of 2016. Yeah, and then then there's a lot of issues with that because some things were weren't weren't couldn't be proven and then so Talisi had to back off on the book and he for for a while he said don't he, he he's like he wasn't down for them releasing it because he now there all these things were being questioned. And so it, the book wasn't released for a, a while because of it. And then then some things happen. I don't want to give everything away, but like I said, it's very interesting to watch, and it's only an hour and a half of your time. I, I think that you should check out Voyeur. Well, here, here's a couple of things um, that are – we're looking at the Wikipedia right yeah. now. Uh, Spielberg purchased the rights to create a film based on Foo's life and wanted Sam Mendes to direct it. Mm-hmm. Sam Mendes said um, – this the documentary has so many things that are wonderful can only be achieved by a documentary. The story became infinitely more interesting and more complicated, but impossible to tell in a narrative movie. Um, a New Yorker article was expanded into a book by the same name. Concerning the book, author and critic Michelle Dean wrote, uh, shortly before the book appeared, the Washington Post published an article by Paul Fari that called Foose's veracity veracity into question. The reporter pointed out that Foos hadn't owned the motel or a hotel for part of the time recorded in his journals. 
Talisi, confronted with this information, did nothing less than freak out. I'm not going to promote this book. How dare I promote it when its credibility is down the toilet? That's not giving anything away. However, Talisi discovered that the person who had owned the hotel for that period was still alive and contacted the man or person. Oh, it's a man. Contacted him and reported that the person that the person said that Gerald had had a key and complete access over this period. So uh, Talisi stated that he had overreacted. Foos claimed that he had not brought it up as he had not wanted this person named yeah. con- per- person connected to the voyeurs. Yeah, they they try to get you into Foos's character too by there's this part where you go down into his basement. And he has this basement that's like the the size of this whole bottom level mm-hmm. of this house that we're in right now, and and uh, it's just full of baseball cards and stuff. Like the guy has millions of baseball cards, right? And he's just showing it all off, you know. And and you know, I I I, I don't know. I guess if you're going to tell the story about someone, you might as well tell more than just one thing. Yeah. So I, I get it, you know. But at the same time, it's like. How much do you really need to understand someone who's invaded people's privacy for that long? I, I don't know. It, it's up to you. You make your own judgment calls when you watch it. So, um, but I do recommend watching it because it is it is a fascinating tale. So, hmm. voyeur. Mine is uh, the creature from the Black Lagoon. Uh, it's a 1954 American black and white 3D hmm. monster horror film. Yes. Uh, it was directed by William Allen, and I'm sorry, produced by William Allen, directed by Jack Arnold. Allen. Allen. <laughs> Allen. It stars Richard Carlson, Julia Adams, Richard Denning, Antonio Moreno, and Whit Bissell. Mm-hmm. The creature was played by Ben Chapman on land and by Rico Browning underwater. Uh, it premiered in Detroit on February 12th and was released on regional basis, opening in various states. Um, just some background. Uh, the Creature from the Black Lagoon was filmed in 3D and originally projected by the polarized light method. The audience wore viewers with gray polarizing filters similar to the viewers most commonly used today. Uh, because the brief 1950s 3D film fad, hmm, the 3D film fad, uh, had peaked in mid-1953 and was fading fast in early 54, many audiences actually saw the film flat in 2D. Uh, typically, the film was shown in 3D in large downtown theaters and flat in smaller neighborhood theaters. In 75... It was re-released to theaters in the inferior red and blue glasses Ugh. anaglyph 3D format. This is the worst fucking 3D ever. Which was, I love those things. It was also used for 80 home video releases on beta and video. VHS. I saw Jaws 3 with those. <laughs> jo- I'm sorry, so Jaws 3D. I. Yep. For marketing reasons, a comedic short TV special was aired. Prior to the film's release about uh, uh, Abbott and Costello meet the creature from the Black Lagoon, um, and Ben Chapman replies his, reprised his role as a gill man for the program. Uh, it generated two sequels, Revenge of the Creature, which was filmed and released in 3D, and The Creature Walks Among Us. Uh, the creature, also known as the gill man, is usually counted among the classic universal monsters. Mm-hmm. This movie is um, is fun, but there are just some scenes that make you scratch your head. Like when you first learn of the creature, yeah. all you do is you see his hand. Like there's an archaeological expedition happening in like South America, yeah. and they come across something. You don't really see it until later on in the film. Yeah. They come across this, uh, um, it's a petrified hand, okay? But it's not a human hand. It's, uh-huh. a, it's, it's a gill man hand is what it is. Yeah. And they're like, oh, we got to get this back to base. We have to go back to headquarters, <laughs> you know. So 
while all this is going on, they're doing this expedition, and then like out of nowhere, you're, like they focus on the river where the Gill Man is, and you'll see his hand come up, and he puts his hand on like the the mud yeah. or whatever, the dirt, and then he'll drag his hand across it. And they don't do that like once or twice; they do that like four times. It's just the creature's hand just comes out, and it's dramatic music. Dun, 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 dun. Bum, bum. Yeah, and it's really funny, but I mean, I know that you know, like in the fifties, this is like, oh my god, the creature, right? Um, Perspective, man. Yeah, it's in, in it's in the Amazon. Uncovers fossilized evidence from the Devonian period. The Devonian period. Okay. The Devonian period is a geological period and system of the Plesio, the the Paleozoic, Plesioic. Ugh, I can't talk. Spanning 60 million years from the end of the Silurian, 419.2 million years ago, to the beginning of the Carboniferous, 358.9 million years ago. It is named after Devon, England, where rocks from this period were first studied. Okay. Uh, the first significant adaptive radiation of life on dry land occurred. During the Devonian, free-sporting vascular plants began to spread. Forming extensive forests which cover the continents by the middle of the Devonian, several groups of plants had evolved leaves and trunes. By the end of the period, the first seed-bearing plants appeared. Various terrestrial arthropods also became well-established. Um, the Devonian period is often dubbed the Age of Fish. The first ray-finned and lobe-finned bony fish appear. Okay. So, there you go. Um, the, a geology expedition in the Amazon uncovers that. Let's see. Expedition leader Dr. Carl Maya Antonio Moreno orders his two assistants to stay in camp while he visits the Marine Biology Institute. And when he goes to the Marine Biology Institute, it's just a lake in Southern California somewhere. Yeah. it's. I mean, it's really obvious. And what's f- even funnier about that is he gets into a boat, and he, he takes the boat from point A to point B. And, and, and I was just joking. I'm like, I'm watching. I'm like, they're not... I'll bet you they just go, like, around the corner. Yeah. And they literally just go, like, around the corner, like, 35 feet. <laughs> and it's fucking hilarious. Um, the, he meets with his friend and former student who's an ichthyologist, Dr. David Reed. <laughs> Dr. Diego de la Vega. <laughs> Dr. Reed works at an aquarium in California, but more recently has been made a guest at Maya's Institute in Brazil to study lungfish. You can see the eyes on them. On, now, the eyes never move on the gill man. Yeah. But what's really cool is that they, they like that got the mouth to work. Yeah. And, you know, as he's swimming through the water, it's all nice and smooth movements. And there's a point, like, where the girl is swimming in the water, like Jaws, right? So she's swimming. And you see the gill man, like, swimming underneath her. Yeah. Like, he's, like, literally, like, six inches away from her, like a penis away from her, right? <laughs> And depending on the penis, <laughs> six inches. <laughs> and as as he's swimming underneath her, like there's a there's like points where it he actually touches her. Yeah, you know, and she's just swimming, right? Like she never looks down. She yeah. never sees him in the water. I'm like, what the fuck is that? You know, okay. that's weird. Yeah, right. So, but the gill man is interested in this this girl. Like the reason why he's interested in her is to propagate his race, right? <laughs> yeah, and. Make some mer bitches. Yeah, and and that's that's pretty much what he's trying to do is like yeah. trying to abduct her so that he can you know mate with her right. Yeah, and that's where this whole thing comes about. Now, part of it is he lives in the lagoon, and what they're doing is they're trying to the the second part of the the whole story arc is they're trying to remove this debris yeah. that has landlocked a lot of this water so that the lagoon has become. Like it's a, it's like a dam in the lagoon, right? 
and the creature doesn't want that because he's actually built this dam so he can continue his stuff, right? Yeah. Doing whatever he does and, and keep his lagoon nice. It's his, it's my place. Why are you going to come into my house? You always come into my house, you always got to fuck everything up. Damn it, monster. <laughs> so. I need about to refit So the monster um, abducts the girl and it takes her underwater to this cave. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, like, the guys appear out of nowhere and they're completely dry. You're like, where the fuck did this come from? <laughs> and and then you realize that the cave is like a two, it's like a weird two-story cave. Like, you can actually get into the cave from land. Yeah. From, like, you know, part of the the Amazon or the, the anyways. Yeah. Like, you can walk, literally walk right into the cave where they're at and then there's the monster who had to actually swim underneath the water like 100 feet down yeah. and swim into the cave and and then like they could just walk in to this <laughs> hole. Yeah. And they're in the same exact spot, which it's like 100 feet difference. It's funny as hell. So there's there's a couple of inconsistencies. Inconsistencies. Yeah. But it's, you know, it's what I liked about this movie is the fact that, it, A, it's a universal movie. Mm. Um, so some effort was put into it. A lot of effort was put into this yeah. movie. It wasn't, it's not just, it's not cheesy in in the, you know. In, yeah. Um, back in the 50s, they really took these movies seriously. Not that they don't now, but they, I mean, it's like serious shit, right? Yeah. They, they the, 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 uh, the suits that the guys wore for the, the gill man yeah. doing the underwater scenes and getting the mouth to move up and down like he's trying to breathe water. Yeah. But not only that, the gills actually worked. Yeah. So you could see the gills kind of moving back and forth as he's breathing and then moving about on the boat and sticking his hands through the window and these actual little terror scares and what and things happening to all the people. I mean, it's not realistic in any way, shape, or form, but the drama and everything there, it wasn't like I'm sitting there watching the movie. I wasn't really paying attention to the movie. Honestly, I mean, I'm, I'm fucking flipping around on my phone, but I'm listening to the movie outside be- because it allows me to concentrate on what's going on with the dialogue. Yeah. And if I see or hear, like, if I see a flicker of something that doesn't seem right, I'll stop and I'll be like, I'll, I'll tilt my head to the side like a dog. Mm-hmm. Like, what the fuck? That doesn't work, you know? But there's nothing in this movie. With with few exceptions, there's nothing in this movie that doesn't work. There's nothing in this movie that made me sit up and go, "What the fuck are they saying?" Yeah, you know, there's a scene where one of the actors, I I kind of don't know who it is, but one of the characters has been injured and he's lying in a bunk, and like the the merman's hand, the gill man's hand comes in, and nobody notices the dude that's fucking that that's injured who's awake. Yeah, doesn't say anything. And then I was just like out of nowhere. They turn and go, "Oh my god!" <laughs> like there's a hand there, and then she, then the girl like hits it with a frying pan or some shit like that. <laughs> like she fucking whacked it good. Yeah, you know. So I don't know whacked if the, the dude fucking got injured or whatever. Yeah. It looked like he did. It, it looked realistic. Like they weren't expecting that, yeah. and she turned and just fucking hits hit it with like a bad yeah. fucking. He's like, "Ah, oh, motherfucker! <laughs> Why you gotta be hitting a man like that? You take a bat and fucking hit me in the hand. We're trying to make a movie here." That's where the original Wilhelm came from. <laughs> yeah, um, this uh, the, the movie. The movie is based off of a story um, from Creatures in the Amazon River. Uh, Mexican cinematographer Gabriel Figueroa had told producer William Allen about the myth of a race of half fish, half human creatures. 
and this was during a dinner party and during the filming of Citizen Kane. Um, Allen wrote story notes titled The Sea Monster. Ten years later, his inspiration was Beauty and the Beast. Uh, in 1952, Maurice Zim expanded this into a treatment, and then the creature from the Black Lagoon came about, you know, following the success of 3D film House of Wax. If you've ever seen the original 3D House of Wax, have you seen it in 3D? No. It's fucking awesome. Is it? Yeah, I saw that back. I saw it in the 80s. I just saw the Paris Hilton one in theaters. So that was it. No, I saw the original, the House House of Wax in the 80s with Vincent Price. Okay. It was like it was probably during the Halloween or whatever, and I loved it. Uh the designer of the the designer of the approved Gilman was Disney animator Millicent Patrick. Um though her role was deliberately downplayed by makeup artist Bud Westmore who for half a century would 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 receive sole credit for the creature's conception. Uh, Jack Kevin, who worked on The Wizard of Oz and made prosthetics for amputees during World War II, created the bodysuit while Chris Muller sculpted the head. Um, ben Chapman, who played the Gill Man for the majority of the scenes, shot at Universal City. Many of the on-top-of-the-water scenes were filmed at Rice Creek near Palatoc- Palat... in fucking Florida. Palatka. Palatka. Huh. Palatka. Palatka. Okay. <laughs> Palatka. So what... So, uh, it's a, uh, it's Happy Z. Get a zipper. Yeah. What are you talking about? The costume, the costume was made. Anyways, I think that they, uh, they called made, Sticker might they, have come from there. They they filmed it at Rice Creek near Palatka. <laughs> the costume made it impossible for Chapman to sit for fourteen for the fourteen hours of each day that he wore it, and he and it overheated easily, so he stayed in the back lots lake, often Oy. requesting to be hosed down. He also could not see very well while wearing the zipper headpiece. Zipper head. If you've ever if you've ever heard the zipper commercials. Zipper. Z Y P P A H. It's Happy Z's backwards. Never heard the zipper. <laughs> no. He, the guy uh, anyways, uh, I'm mimicking it cuz he has this weird the way that he talks, it sounds like he has a mouthful of fucking uh water. Spit. Oh. It's Happy Z backwards. Wakula Springs Springs Florida. Um, anyways, he could not see very well while wearing the headpiece, which caused him to scrape Julie Adams' head against the wall when carrier, carrying her in the grotto scenes. And you can see it. He's like, he's walking, and he like, boop. <laughs> Rico Browning played the Gill Man in the Four. underwater shots. Uh, a lot of positive reviews. Malton gave three out of four. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes appro- reports an approval rating of 84%. Based on 32 reviews with an overall average of about 6.9. Uh, Ginger Stanley, who did stunts in two, the first two films. Um, the whole thing is fun to watch. If you love these old shocker horror movies. Yeah. Ooh, John Landis wanted to do a remake of the film. In 1982. Damn. That was, that was awesome. around the time he did uh, Thriller. And John Carpenter was developing the remake at Universal in 1992. 1982 was when John Landis wanted to do it. Yeah. Um, and then Peter Jackson in 95. That was right before he did uh, Frighteners. Ding Dong. He was going to work on King Kong. Yeah. And then Ivan Reitman in 96. Um, Gary Ross. Wow. Guillermo del Toro. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. he hoped to do a focus, story focused more on the creature's perspective, letting him have romantic success, which would later turn into the 2017 film The Shape Out of Water. Shape Out of Water. Uh, that too. <laughs> um but Universal Heads rejected this concept. Huh. And then he goes and fucking makes The Shape of Water, um, which I'm still saying is a prequel to Hellboy. Creature. Oh, <laughs> yeah. 
Um, if you're just a fan of film, especially the older stuff, and I've said this a hundred times already in this it's review. It's a guaranteed classic. Yeah, it's it's fun to watch because you know how cheesy it is, but if you like if you like take out that stupid soundtrack, yeah, and then you put in like a really cool soundtrack overlaying it, like just take a John Williams soundtrack to whatever, like doesn't matter. A John Williams or 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 Guillermo del Toro soundtrack. I say John Williams, but like Seriously, you can take any soundtrack like Jaws, literally, and p- place it over and redo it and st- and get a fucking cool reaction. Um, other than the like Republic serial style, you know, loud horn type of dun dun dun, yeah. you know, the the movie would have been so much better. But at that point in time, when you're thinking of making these movies, these shocker horror movies yeah. that are Republic serial style, you're going with that style of music. It's just like when you're in the 70s, man, it had that certain kind of musical theme to it. You know, it it, it, it sucked, but it just, that that's the time period. Yeah, yeah. it sucked. <clears throat> A happy G. I always go back to Injustice for All with uh, Al Pacino. That, that fucking soundtrack was goddamn annoying, but it's such a good movie that I'm willing to forgive it. So happy G. So yeah, you know what? Um, the the couple times I've seen a creature from the Black Lagoon, I never had any complaints about this being like super cheesy or anything. It was well done. Like if you want to talk about the cheesy monster flicks, this is one one near the top of the list where it's like the most well done. Yeah, Revenge of the C- Creature with Clint Eastwood. <laughs> uh, I wish there was, I hope there's a trailer. Is there a trailer? I want the trailer. Here we go. Shocking, suspenseful. Oh, shut up. Shut up, Matt Damon. Shut up, Matt Damon. I wonder if they shave his head because the the hair didn't shrink. Yes. Is that what you think? I think so. So, out of the murk and mystery of a hundred million years ago. He shrinked with a giant wig. He's just lost in a wig, giant wig of hair. From the depths of unknown waters comes a creature to confound science <laughs> and terrorize the world. Oh, yeah, I totally forgot about that. Every time you see the creature, it's always his hand. You know, you don't see anything else. Yeah. And, like, and then you can see the rubber claws. Yeah. And he just fucks it's people still up. still not bad. It's, it's not the bad. the creature from the Black Lagoon. Shocking. Shocking. In the stark realism <laughs> of perfected three dimensions. Even though, I mean, like, the underwater scenes were really good. Always the voiceovers from back then, man. I love those voiceovers, man. It hasn't changed in millions of years. It's the lungfish. Evolutionary freak of nature. It's got a leg. Starring Richard Carlson. In the depths of the mighty Amazon. I w- you know what? We should try to do these trailer voiceovers. Just write them down and Julia see what we can do. Adam. See, that's the point right there I'm talking about. They showed in the trailer the creature swimming underneath the woman. Yeah. And he, like, literally he touched her. There's another piece of the scene right there. Oh, I'm going to dive down into the water. Fuck you. <laughs> fuck this. <laughs> oh. Oh, fuck that. <laughs> How dare you throw a fucking... Fucking torch thing at my face and make me turn on fire. <laughs> Until somebody else gets killed. Until somebody else. And Classic then, scream. Yeah, and then he jumps overboard with her. Deep, 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 deep. deep. 
deep. Like they're literally in water. That's 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 him swimming with another person in yeah. water. Wherever man may follow, only at his peril. <coughs> Amazing in three dimension. Creature from the Black Lagoon. Universal <laughs> International. Alright. Giggity, giggity. I wonder if they're going to do uh, that in the expanded universe that they're doing with the um, Universal Monster Well, movies. They've, fu- they've managed to fuck everything up, so why not? With the mummy? With the mummy. And since Dracula and Toll Dracula. Cons- considered now or whatever. Yeah, whatever. They're fucking, fucking weirdos. Stupid shit. Get your, get your fucking head out of your ass. You're fucking stupid. Fucking my monsters. Motherfuckers. Up. I know how to respect uh, my monsters. I can fucking write a movie around all of you motherfuckers. You know what I'm saying? You know, I should you know, fucking do it. You know, I talk about it like so fucking, much. Like fucking Warner Brothers. I should do my I should do my Eddie Murphy dad thing. <laughs> what, what was his dad's name? I can't remember. Eddie Murphy's dad. <laughs> I gotta look it up. All right, so um, all right. Before we end this one, uh, a couple little uh, tidbits. Uh, we saw the Infinity War trailer, which was fucking. Look, I, I your opinion might be different than mine. But that that Vernon, trailer that was his name. That trailer gave me straight up fanboy fucking boner, dude. That, that, I loved it. I I, I absolutely love the intro to it. I love the ending of it. Um, that's it's just that trailer is so much better than anything that Justice League had to offer in my eyes. It, God damn, just thank you. I, I I'm glad that they're still able to to give me the fucking tingles when it comes to a superhero movie, especially you know. Eddie Murphy painfully detailed how his dad was brutally killed. What the fuck, man? You want to talk about that right now? <laughs> God damn it. And then there's another story about how his dad died in his arms. Well, okay. Okay, okay, that's because Vernon Lynch is his stepdad. No, two different dads. Okay. I'm sorry. All right. Charlie Murphy. <laughs> God damn it, man. I miss Charlie, for, Charlie Murphy, man. Fucking, I wish I'd... Watch more shit with him in it. You um, like the cocoa? Okay. All right. So anyway, um, <laughs> dude, Infinity War trailer. Yes. Well, can I get some insight from you? I I didn't care for it. You really didn't care for it at all. No, and I'll tell you why. Get this man a shield. That was fucking cool. No, look. They've been showing the entire Infinity War trailer for the past year. They've shown all of the scenes already. Not a year since August. Whatever. For a year. They've actually been showing it for a year with all these behind the scenes things and all all, all the little... Which I've been staying away from. It, so everything that you see, not everything, but there's one or two. Like when Captain America shows up with his beard, yeah. that was already shown. The only thing that they didn't show, uh, the only thing that was a, a little bit different was Thanos with the... Uh, with, with, with the, the power glove, glove. Yeah, with the, the Nintendo the, power the, the glove. The gauntlet. Yeah. yeah. And then, um, um, but the Spider-Man scene with the yeah. with, with his the hair way. raising up, yeah. that, that, was, that was already seen. Yeah, I'd say what, 85% or more of that trailer was stuff that was from the San, the Comic-Con footage. I, 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 and it was even from before that when they were, you know, when, when, when they've teased us with this shit. And it wasn't just August, but it's been going on for quite a while. Well, I, I've been I've been purposely trying to stay away from as much as possible. Even though I did watch the Comic Con, um, you know, leak. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I, so to me though, I still being able to see it clearly and everything, and, and the and the audio synced up properly. Um, I, I do. It just got me excited. Maybe I'm just becoming way too biased when it comes to Marvel shit now. But I, I'm not gonna get excited until they actually show a fucking trailer that we haven't already seen ninety percent of already. All right. Okay. Give me a fucking trailer that I that's 
original footage, quick shot, two minutes, with Thanos standing there like Peter Griffin. You know, with, with his hands at his side. Yeah, I think you know, it, like he just walks like right through a boom tube or like yeah, dark side, and yeah. he just he's just staring around. And the next words out of his mouth were like, "We're gonna do this." Yeah, you know what? It, it's funny too when you oh god, all the message boards always end up becoming the same shit, dude. Just Marvel versus DC. It just over and over again. It's like shut the fuck up. It, well, you're bringing it up now. Well, <laughs> all right, fine. I will do my part. Oh, I have figured out a way to fix the whole DC thing. I've figured out a way to do it. Sell it to Disney? No. Like Fox? I have have totally figured out how to fix the Justice League movie thing. So I have been thinking about this, and and I talked about this last week, which was how to fix the Justice League movie, and then you do the whole thing where... You know, uh, someone wakes up from a dream, right? And this could be your future. It's, Mar- it's like uh, the Martian Manhunter is sitting next to Superman, and he has his hand on his on his head, and Superman finally wakes up, and Martian Manhunter's like, your dream, I understand it, and that could be your future, right? And then you cut into the new Justice League. Even better is you have the Flash from this version, this, this DC uh, New 52 universe, Go back in time or travel to a travel to the actual you know Earth dimension where the Je- Justice League is. Yeah, and he shows up, and uh, as he he grabs he grabs a flash from from the this universe, and before he disappears, he says, "Don't let it happen." Okay. Yeah. And that's how you start the new Justice League, and then it's the alien invasion from the cartoon series. Yeah. Boom! 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 That's how you fix it. All right. Well, you know what? I, I think the best, best way to fix it is just fucking get it away from Warner Brothers. Yeah. <laughs> it ain't going to happen. <laughs> I know. Because they own DC Comics. I don't know. I, I know it's not going to happen. I just mean, you know, God damn it. The, the, the best way to fix it is <clears throat> to actually get somebody that loves it and get Bruce Tim involved. Yeah. 100% and make him the creative director. All right. So, um, and then. Your th- fucking segue. Oh, so well, yeah. I mean, we want to talk about uh, the, the the discussion finally came back up yeah. about Disney buying Fox. Imagine that. Yeah. yeah, I called it. Well, it's funny. The funny part is, is that it like died down as quickly as it came about a few weeks ago. Uh, Everyone's like, "Oh, yeah, no, it's not going to happen." I'm like, dude, "Dude, I called it when fucking Fantastic Four failed." Yeah, you did. You did. You called it a long time ago. And dude. I said uh, that Fo- I said Disney has fucking had enough of this bullshit, or not Disney, but Marvel. Marvel's had enough of this bullshit, and they're going to do the same thing that they did with Sony's. They're going to strong arm them. And then you start hearing all these rumors about Sony doing a Venom movie and Sony doing this and that and that. Then that there's only going to be two Spider-Man films with Marvel, and then he reverts back to Sony. Yeah. Guess what ain't going to happen? Ever. (laughs) Marvel is not letting go of of Spider-Man. This was them... Making a statement about them being involved with the with with Spider-Man, and the fact that they made two movies with Spider-Man means that they now have leverage over Sony and will continue to make Spider-Man movies. Possibly. And what's going to happen is, even though Sony owns like the Venom and the Sinister Six stuff, that when that movie fails as well, because they don't know how to make any fucking movies other than they don't know how to make action movies anymore. It seems. When those two movie fails, yeah, guess what's gonna happen? Because they're also making a Carnage movie. Yeah, guess what's gonna happen? 
You're not going to use the script that's out there for Carnage that everybody loves. You're not going to use Tom Hardy to his fullest extent on the Venom movie. And you're definitely not going to use the Sinister Six to to their fullest potential. Yeah. So you're going to lose all those. And you know what's going to happen is nobody's going to give a shit because Disney just fucking grabbed all of the Fox stuff that they want. Yeah. And what's this going to mean for the Simpsons and Family Guy and American Dad and all that other stuff? Uh, we don't know yet. Um, Fox is trying to sell off all of their film properties. They're yeah. keeping the sports and the news. Which is odd. Uh, they're going after um, CNN and ESPN. <laughs> and and by dumping all the film stuff, what they can do is they can now take all that money and try to beat ESPN at their own game. Yeah. That's what they're really trying to do. They're trying to be CNN and they're trying to be ESPN. So well, they're going to try and buy football. They're going to try and buy the Monday Night Package and all this other stuff so they can put it on like their Fox channels. Yeah. And then um, – uh, a bunch of other stuff. They're going after football. They're going after baseball. They're going after um, uh, CNN. They want to be. They want to be known as, you know, the big gun. Yeah. Right? I looked at. Um, I looked at the top ten grossing films of this year worldwide, uh-huh. and Disney, Disney, or and or their affiliates. You know, Marvel or whatever. You I, know? Almost, I almost freaked the fuck out. I thought that Dude, we had stopped recording. Top five. They have. I'm sorry. Five out of the ten. Movies mm-hmm. of the top grossing of the year. Now that's even before the last Je- Jedi comes out. That's Disney. Yeah, yeah, dude. Five out of the ten uh-huh. th- th- this year. Yeah. One of them was uh, was DC, which was Wonder Woman. Right, dude. Justice League hasn't even made it into the ten highest grossing films of the year yet. Yeah. So, and there's a chance it might not. So <laughs> good. You know, and yeah, look, they need to pay the fucking price for for making shitty fucking movies. Besides, one 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 woman aside. Well, I'm um, well. Part of this this whole talk about Disney and Marvel. Well, I'm sorry, <laughs> um, uh, Disney and Fox was the Brian Singer thing. Yeah, and then it just came out that Brian Singer was fired from the Freddie Mercury biopic. Yeah, or biopic. it was called uh, Bohemian Rhapsody, I believe. Yeah, yeah. and well, that's a cheap fucking name. You know what I mean? I don't care. So, anyways, <laughs> when um, when when the news reports came out that Singer hadn't been on the set since Thanksgiving, and then his ex- his excuse or his letter or whatever from his PR person, I mean, he couldn't even say it himself. His letter from his PR person basically said, "Oh, Brian Singer's been dealing with a family, you know, a sick family member, and Fox wouldn't let him take time off to go and see the sick family member." Yeah, there's there's more to it than that. That's a bullshit story. Um, but what just came out like not two hours ago was the fact that Brian Singer is being sued for sexual assault. Oh well, that's so shocking, absolutely shocking. You know, because shocking there was there hasn't been accusations before and shit like that. No, this is this goes even deeper than those accusations. Sued for allegedly sexually assaulting seventeen-year-old boy. This came out eight hours ago. Uh, NPR has been on it for the last two hours. This is Disney ain't gonna play that shit, dude. And so Brian, and that's why Brian Singer was fired. Yeah, this is part of the reason why Brian. Clear out your fucking office. This is part of the reason why Brian Singer was fired from Fox because Fox is selling to Disney. It's a done deal. Yeah, and now that Fox is selling to Disney with Brian Singer out of the way, we're gonna get the drum roll again at the beginning of Star Wars. What? <laughs> Never mind, just go. Please stop. You stop. 
I love that shit. You should too. Fuck you. We're not going to get the drum roll. All right, whatever. Um, the the person that was stopping the entire deal from going through was Brian Singer. No. Because of the X-Men stuff. Yeah. Well, he's you've been shit-canned. You're shit-canned, bro. You're 86. Get the fuck out. Bye. So when the person that is responsible for not only being the producer of the series, yeah. but directing a lot of the movies, is no longer involved with those movies and has no say, then things start to clear up, yeah. and all of a sudden they're buying, the, like it's a fucking, it's quote unquote a done deal. Yeah. Who is responsible for that? Him. Long story short, X-Men, Infinity, Sto- Infinity War Part 2. Yeah. That's my guess. We'll see something. Yeah. Fucking Deadpool. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> uh, Brian Singer's lawyer, Andrew Brettler, had some additional comments for TMZ. Brian categorically denies these allegations and will vehemently defend his lawsuit to the very end. Can I show you a picture? I have to show you a picture of Brian Singer. Okay. I, th- this one is going to fucking make you just go, fuck you, Brian Singer. What is he dressed as? Oh, my fucking God. <laughs> That's not Photoshop? <laughs> that is not Photoshop. That is from Richard Silverstein. I used this on our Compelled podcast. Richard Silverstein. Brian Singer must have the busiest lawyer in Hollywood. Holy shit. Um, Brian Singer and friends Instagram via TMZ. Thank you, Rose, for sharing this reading. I can't read that. Holy shit. <laughs> um Reading somebody's pages story gave me the push I needed to finally speak out about my experiences with Brian Singer that has been cropping up, that has been crippling me for years. Sorry I didn't thread my post properly. I just wanted to get them out there, blah, 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 blah. uh, Justin Smith, anyways. Yeah. So, Justin Smith, and there's a picture of Brian Singer with three young men, one of them dressed as Superman, and Brian Singer dressed as... A Catholic priest, man. <laughs> Fucking amazing. I, oh, uh, this shit writes itself, man. I God damn. I that guy's living his fucking lifestyle, isn't he? Um, right out right in front of everyone's face and no one wanted no one no one gave a shit enough to deal with it and now finally someone's gonna finally start dealing with it. Yeah. All right. God, you know what? I'm I'm glad that finally, hopefully this shit's getting dealt with because you know, I'm glad that Disney has, you know, I mean, this is all speculation, but we all know that, you know, Disney's like, dude, no, this fucking guy ain't coming over here. Dude, no. listen to this. So once, so uh, numerous stories were published over the past few days, and this is, this is, goes back a couple of years. Yeah. Um, after alleged victim Justin Smith published a series of tweets saying that Singer engaged in illicit sexual activities with him when he was a teenager. Smith, either Twitter or Smith himself removed his account. Brian Singer removed his Twitter account. Yahoo News, which first published the tweets, removed its story. Other media outlets followed and also deleted their stories. No one has explained their editorial self-censorship. Fuck. There are a few brave holdouts, but most of them refer only obliquely to the current charges. Singer and his sexual peccadillos. It's peccadillos. The Daily Wire is the sole remaining source which retains the charges by Smith and full. Kudos to brave editors who haven't been cowed by, Singer, by the Singer legal team. Uh, the Jewish forward comes in for rebuke once again, not only for his journalistic cowardice, but for failing to do the least editorial investigation of stories it published. Jane Eisner, 
the managing editor beset by rebukes after she killed a Harvey Weinstein story once again deserves a raspberry for taking down this report about Brian Singer. Hmm. Our, our source for for an aggregated story published about X-Men was Yahoo News. When they took their story down, we removed ours too as we could not independently confirm the sources originally cited. Brian Singer is fucking done. I wanted to share this picture because it was one of the first pictures that I showed Joe. And when you look, when you type in Brian Singer and click on images, yeah, that one's the eighth. Or yeah, so. well, these one, two, three, four, five, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, ninth. It's the ninth picture. Boop it! Oh, hey, look, an unedited version. <gasps> oh no, dude! Fucking dude! He's surrounded by more twinks in a fucking hostess factory. Yeah. Holy shit, man! I, goddamn, I fuck this guy. You know what? Oh look, more more kids dressed as Superman. This is fucking creepy. I I you know and look, I know that some things can be like. Oh look, Taylor Lautner at the same. I, I know some things can be shown out of context and stuff like that, but this is fucking Brian Singer, dude. This is not out of context. This is that's a picture is, of him dressed as a Catholic priest with two young men. This is fucking creepy. You know, yeah, I bet he had a gay old time at that fucking party. We'll have a. Oh, there's another picture right here. There he is, dude. I. Ooh, that dude looks familiar. I, who is that fucking guy? I don't know, man. But it, just seeing that guy with his arm on the guy on the younger guy's fucking sh- shoulder like that, that that also gives me the creepy vibes. I, yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, uh, that was Gawker. All right. Well. All right. Um, can we move on to brighter things, please? Because <laughs> uh, yeah, Brian Singer is a is a bit leaves a bad taste in my mouth, so to speak. So, um. All right. You good? Yeah. All right. All right. Uh, real quick. Uh, Tarantino man finding out that Tarantino is interested in writing for writing a Star Trek movie and directing it and like that 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 news came out like yesterday right yeah and then all of a sudden it's like Tarantino's writing a hard R fucking Star Trek yeah like that that news just broke yesterday no, nobody knows what it's going to be about how the fuck do you know how do you know it's going to be an R-rated movie what are you fucking taking Quentin Tarantino you going to his house steal script huh breaking into Quentin Tarantino's house and touching his big old head and maybe looking at his penis and then going in to steal script so fucking Hateful Eight Part 2 and who is you <laughs> who let, the fuck is you man let me tell you something alright huh? <laughs> but you know what man look he's done every other genre that we can think of pretty much right except for porn and sci-fi so uh, he should do both <laughs> sci-fi porn oh they want Taiki, uh, Taika Waititi to do a Star Wars movie the, okay well, and then Tommy Wiseau wants to do a Star Wars movie too Tommy Wiseau yeah Quentin Tarantino's Star Trek will be R-rated says who I, I don't deadline know. I, I don't know I look I, I'm not worried about it you know what I mean if Tarantino's involved my my faith in the project has gone up a bunch, like tenfold. Okay, because look, everything Tarantino touches is some form of gold, and so there we go. Yeah, like now it's he won't he's not going to write it. It's he's just he wants to direct it. Uh, is it just me? Or is he starting to look like Craig T. Nelson? Yeah, <laughs> and I'm okay with that. Yeah, it's fine. Uh, we still don't know anything about the plot, but apparently Paramount is excited and. And now it's an R-rated movie. Uh, maybe it's like I, I, I don't know. Maybe because Tarantino, man, he has his own golden ticket, right? So he walks in. He goes, well, yeah, but they're not going to do an R-rated. And and Tarantino wants to do, um, the 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 actual story. <laughs> Live long and prosper again, motherfucker. Yeah. 
The actual story is yeah. because fucking AV Club didn't do any research. The actual story is is that he wants to go back to the original series, yeah, and he wants to tell um, uh, the city at the end of tomorrow, city on the edge of forever. Thank you. Yeah, um, and there was another big uh, episode um, that was prior to that. Um, I know the the most popular, the one that won an actual Emmy was City on the Edge of Forever with Joan Collins. Yep. Um, and then uh, there's a Muck Time that was really good. I think Amok Time is the one with um, where Kirk has to fight Spock because of the punk far. <coughs> um, and then Kirk fakes his death, and, and it was really good. Uh, no, there, there, it was very specific about the episodes that he really, really liked. Um, of course, uh, you know that Quentin Tarantino doesn't like um, fucking on-demand shit, right? He okay. doesn't watch anything on demand. It's all on. He has videotapes or DVDs. Okay. He bought a fucking video store just to have all their their stock. So he has like multiple copies of everything. Cool. I mean, you know what? He, he dude. He. You think I'm a cinephile? No, that motherfucker is a cinephile. Dude. Yeah. Yeah. But he watches everything on VHS or whatever. That's cool. That's the, that's the the ratio he likes, man. The perspective he likes. It. I get it. Oh uh, well, I can't find it. So, anyways, um. Everybody's saying that, you know, the Star Trek movie will be rated R. Well, no. You don't know that because nobody knows that. Nobody knows what it's about. He went into he went into Paramount and pitched his fucking shit, and then he wants to direct it, and he may write it. And everybody's saying he's not going to write it. He is going to write it. It's obviously rated R. What is? Who is you? <laughs> is it all going to be R-rated? Is he going to say motherfucker and on the N-word all the time? No. I mean, what, come on. What if it, you know, like, what if they do Star Trek where they go into the past and it's during Django's time? There's going to be a lot of motherfucking N-words then in there. Star Trek beyond Django? Yeah. Into Django? Yeah. Into the darkness of Django? Django beyond. Yeah. <laughs> to boldly go where C- no Django has ever gone before? City on the edge of Django? <laughs> Django on the edge of forever? Star Trek Unchained? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I'm I'm excited. I mean, I'm excited about this news because I I really want this to to happen. I love to see its Tarantino perspective on Star Trek. That would yeah, be really too. fucking cool. Um. So and then, uh, lastly, dude, do you have any uh, takes on the the Batman Ninja anime that they're doing? Um. It looks interesting, but Tommy Wiseau wants to fucking direct <laughs> Star Wars. Oh god! I wanted to bring this up because it's just so fucking stupid. What if? I mean, you can't put Tommy Wiseau. He looks like a Star Wars character, doesn't he? He's fucking creepy. Oh, look, they look like, he looks like fucking Jigsaw. <laughs> I want to play a game. Hi, Mock. Let's oh, play a game. Let's let's play a game, Mock. Hi, I'm Tommy Wiseau. I can't do that. You've taken your whole life for granted. Uh, Batman Ninja. But now you're going to play a game. No, I'm not. Let's play a game. So suck it. How about I don't, I don't know what to, to think about Batman Ninja. Um, I like the trailer, but the whole the whole what the whole idea of it is weird. <laughs> it is definitely odd, um, but it's interesting. It's definitely more interesting than Gotham. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it it looks like it's mostly the Joker. I mean, you see. Now look Harley at Penguin. Playing. You see Penguin all the way on the right, right there. Yeah, is that Gorilla Grodd? That's Gorilla Grodd. How often was Gorilla Grodd? And you see Two Face, Poison Ivy, Two Face, the Joker, Harley. Uh, Gorilla Grodd and um, is that the Red Mat? Uh, no, uh, Deathstroke. Oh, okay, I mean it's they're doing it just to do something different, and that's what makes it really good. Um, 
like you see that's fucking cool it's weird and cool at the same time look at look at the grip look at the handle grip on joker's handle yeah it's supposed to be teeth yeah like like a smile yeah it's great cool. thank you for fuck you pointing out the fucking obvious I mean, maybe that wasn't obvious maybe some people didn't notice that shit i'm sorry that you see oh everything. my god oh mike sees oh all. look at me the, i'm joe spiegel the grand eye sees all i sit there and i can point out the obvious huh Oh, yeah, like, because I say, oh, that says DC right there, right? I'm Captain Obvious. Who is you to tell me I'm not Captain Obvious? I can do what I want. I point out things because I'm a fucking cinephile master. I'm the master of cinephiles. Motherfucker. (laughs) You's a motherfucker. Who is you to tell me that? Ooh, I like the purple light flash. Yeah, so he does get transported. And, and, And it's all in Japanese, so there's there's no fucking American accents or anything in this. Um, but I, I look. They got the guy from Afro Samurai. They got um, uh, the Kill the Kill guy. And I think I, I just wanted to see more of it. A JoJo's Bizarre Adventure guy. Because that's You're right. See, that's, that is Destro. Yeah. You're right. And there's Nightwing. Yep. And that's there's Robin, Robin. and uh, um, there's Harley. Harley and uh, Catwoman. And Poison Ivy. Yeah. Uh, so the anim- animation is done by Kamikaze Doga. Batman. To the death. It's interesting. Definitely interesting. No, and I'm going to watch it because it's a good take. Um, I want to see differences in what they're doing. I don't know what that is, but it looks like a giant hand. That's a good laugh, man. Whoever did that laugh is, yeah. did a good job. And um, better than Jared Leto. <laughs> oh my God. Look, you have to do the Joker a specific way. Yeah. And you can do it one of three ways. You can do the John DiMaggio version. You can do the Mark Hamill version. Mm-hmm. Or you can do the Sid Cesar Romero. Oh. I always get Sid Caesar and Cesar Romero's name mixed up. You can do the Cesar Romero version. Okay. Because they all have those great laughs. Yeah. Or you can kind of mix them together. But. You can't make the Joker a fucking laughing stock. <laughs> you can't. I mean, look at look at it. Look at his character. The Joker. The <laughs> dude. You you don't have to explain it to me, man. I, I get it. I do. I really do. Heath Ledger took it seriously. Yeah. And when you look at the comics version of Joker, right? And you see how Heath Ledger did it. He's very, very detailed. And what he does is he takes what's already given and gives it a little more. Yeah. Right? He doesn't overdo it. He doesn't fucking look dumb. Mm-hmm. He looks like the Joker. That This this first picture that you're looking at right here, yeah. that's Alex Ross painting. And when you look at that picture right there, look at this. Yeah. That's fucking great. Yeah, it is. That's fucking Even great. Jack Nicholson. Right? Yep. And then there's Cesar Romero. So it's a, it's a kind of a, a mixture of all these yeah. right here, right? Yep. And then you have Jared Leto. That. <laughs> with his fucking weird teeth and his dumb look. You don't like the Joker with a grill? God, I mean, and his look tattoos. Like the Paul Wall version of fucking Joker? He looks awful. He doesn't. Paul Wall, this motherfucker. Yeah. No. <laughs> it's It just doesn't work. I know. It doesn't work. I mean, look, the Joker is a dapper motherfucker, okay? Yeah. That's a great look. That's a great picture. That's a great costume right there. Yeah, it is. Um, 
Let's suck our two. Okay. <coughs> when you look at the Joker in the cartoon, yeah, and with with that exception, um, he's got a three piece suit on. He's got his spats on, and the hair, and he he he's fucking crazy. But man, he dresses he dresses so pimp. Yeah. Right. In, in his bow tie and everything else. Even even the Dark Knight version of the Joker dresses like that. Yeah. You know? Look at that. Just his- The Dark Knight Returns version, yeah. Yeah, his suit, his purple shirt, his tie, his green hair, you know? Everything about the Joker is- The detail about the Joker and everything about him is one of two things. Complete insanity, but control chaos. Yeah. Right, and it's weird to say that, but if you look at the way that he dresses, that's control. Yeah, he's fucking insane, but it's controlled chaos. Yeah, and then when he's released onto the public, there's the, the insanity part comes out. Yeah. So when you have the Killing Joke, or when you have the Dark Knight Returns, or even the Batman animated series in general, what'd you think of that that one from the Batman? Go up a little more. Oh, that I'm fine with that. Little, little bit more. I know which one you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, it's this one right like, here. No, no, no. It's the one where he looks like, it looks like a clown, like a, like a jester. That one, right? This there. one? Yeah. No, I didn't like it. The Batman. I think um, Kevin Michael Richardson did the voice though. Yeah, it was a good voice. I just it was a little extreme on the look. He, I thought it was stupid. It was fucking dreadlocks and. All right. It's just dumb. So anyway, <laughs> we always end up talking about Star Wars or fucking Joker. But all right. But well, we were talking about the Batman animated thing. Yeah. You know, and then and then you have what the fuck am I looking at? Holy Christ! And, and then you have Jared Leto's version of Joker. How can you take anybody? How can you take? How can you take the DC movie universe seriously when they don't even want to deal with dealing with the Joker it's on a serious level? Yeah. You know, oh, he's got all these tattoos on him, and and fucking Jared Leto is doing his his whatever. Yeah. You know. Is what, what do you call it? Um, when an actor really gets into a role, method. Thank you. Um, just fucking dumb method acting, and and how he's doing this and that and the other thing. And the truth of the matter is, is that if you want to be taken seriously, do it seriously. You love using that word. Seriously. I, I am. I'm I serious. I I'm saying it because they don't seem to take this shit seriously. I think that they look. I think with the Joker, I think that. They thought they were taking it seriously, but in a different way. Like they wanted to take it in another direction, and they thought they were doing it seriously by by honoring him in a different way. But they fucked it up. That's what I think. Because if if you watch like the behind the scenes, like like with how much effort he put into performing that role, he put a lot of fucking effort. You want to fucking scare the shit out of people? Make that. That's fucking yeah. I mean, that's definitely better than what Leto did. I'm. Trying to give him a little bit of a leeway when it comes to his effort into it. I just think though the the way that that the 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 full picture of him just they fucked it up. They they they, they definitely fucked him up. There is no other way that you can fix this until you go back and make. I mean, like the John DiMaggio version of the Joker. Yeah. Fucking great. Yeah. You know, and everybody's everybody's afraid because oh, you know, um, Heath Ledger died. Yeah. Heath Ledger died and. And, you know, we, we don't want to uh, walk all over his grave about the fucking Joker and blah, 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 blah. He was one actor that played a role that's been done by multiple actors. Yeah. And his version of the Joker is great, but now you've got to move on from that. And that version of the Joker doesn't fucking work. 
<laughs> yeah, I know. All right. So uh, I believe that's all we have for this week, right? Yep. That's all right. So catch y'all on the flippy flappy and uh, you know what's up. Bye-bye. Yep. Bye-bye. Flip flop. Good show. Jolly good show. Jolly good show indeed. Hakuna Matata, bitches. <laughs> Thanks again for listening. Be sure to check us out at a couple of averagejoes.com and please make sure that you leave a comment and share the podcast. That would be awesome. Have a good night. This is the end. It's the end. Finito! The end, I tell you! We're all going to nibble the dust! Or go fuck yourself.